Generally, professional actors are quite stupid people. Generally, professional actors are quite stupid people. That's Albert Serra. He's the Spanish director of the French language film that we're going to talk about today. The film is called The Death of Louis XIV. A thing or two you should know about Serra. He's the bad boy of European cinema. He's known for saying outrageous things. You know, like actors or stupid people. He's also known for his unorthodox approach to filmmaking. He doesn't fret too much over specific scenes. He doesn't talk to his actors or his cinematographer before shooting begins. Well, he talks a little bit, but not in depth. He believes in shooting lots and lots every day. If you get just five magical moments, but really, but really pure and magical and exceptional and extraordinary minutes of these four hours per day, if not, you are an idiot. If you are not capable of doing that, you shouldn't be a filmmaker. His method, he says, is to fight against everything. He's entertaining and definitely worth a listen. The film we'll be talking about chronicles the last days of the Sun King, Louis XIV. Most of the movie takes place inside of a bedroom at Versailles, as the king slowly dies from gangrene. His doctors are clueless. People around him are cloying and obsequious. The king is played by Jean-Pierre Ledoux. He's the great French actor who got his start in Truffaut's 400 Blows. And if I mispronounced his name, it's because my French pretty much sucks. Albert Serra is our guest. Stay tuned. We're going to have a good time. My name is Albert Serra, and I am filmmaker and artist. Uh, recently, I <laughs> do some work for the museums also, so I consider myself a, a filmmaker and artist. Well, let's talk about the death of Louis XIV. It got started because it was a commission from the Pompidou Museum to do it as a performance there in the museum, in a, in a crystal cage suspended in the hall of the museum and the visitors were supposed to attend the agony of the king during 50 days already with Jean-Pierre Leo simply there in a baroque bed no Baldecan um, dying life during 15 days, and we were supposed to be shooting that uh, thing. And did that happen? No, because well, there were several problems, mostly on the finance side. Uh, it was increasing, increasing the price of the thing in a very you know, in a crazy way, because the cage should be suspended, okay, with a bed inside himself, security reasons, uh, well, very, very complicated. So it was after three or four years after that I, we decided to, why don't we do, well, there was a producer and said, why don't we, why don't we shoot this as a feature film? It's a, it's a quite simple movie because it's a, a accurate description of the last days of, of life, of uh, life of Louis XIV. So it's a portrait of the agony of this powerful man. That well has to face illness. And inevitable death at the end. It's a quite accurate and precise and intimate description of these 15 days of agony. And in the movie, there are lots of reds and and deep, dark colors. It, it looks very much like a painting. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's natural because 
all the information, all the visual information we we have from that time comes from painting. So it's logical that all images will remind some some more or less the, you know, this painting because it's the only source we we have. There is no other images apart from you know images from the present and cinema or whatever. I don't know. I think it's natural to 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 not to imitate because I am not very. Uh, there is no never in my case a long or a deep conversation with cinematographer in order to to find a, an aesthetic for the film. It's just general ideas of what camera we will use, what post production we will apply, where we will do it. More practical things. Not 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 a lot of discussions. And I have always one single idea, and in this case was even more powerful that it's to do it dark. That the film should be a little bit baroque. Well, it was the style of, of that time, but. Uh, that it should be dark, you know, to be faithful a little bit of the of the light of the time. That is, you no know, candles, and that is quite some, you know, with not a lot of light. So, and it happens the most part of the film happens at night or when the the king is ill and he's alone, is elated a little bit, and these bad moments usually, you know, arrive at night for for ill people, you know, because it's when they are alone and when they are really, you know, a different way. So. I don't know. For me, was the the main idea was to obviously to recreate the luxury of a room of Louis fourteen that we all have in mind because we all have seen the the image of Versailles nowadays. That it's more or less closer. It was modified afterwards a little bit by Louis Louis fifteen or Louis sixteen, but in general we can say that it's quite closer to what it was in the past uh, when Louis fourteen died. So I don't know. The idea was to to pick up all this luxury style of Rococo style Louis XIV and then apply the, the light that was coherent with that time. And it means some shadows, some darkness, natural darkness. And for me, that was enough. And it was that because it was so difficult for us to build up a decor that uh, could really match, it could, re could have the organic feeling we need for the film that we were scared that you will see some defaults on the decor. So I said, darker, <laughs> less chances to that the defaults will <laughs> will see will be seen. So the idea to put it darker was also practical. It was not only aesthetic decision for from the you know pure plastic point of view. Ah yeah yeah because you said it cost less than a million dollars to make and so yeah yeah so it was not uh, I mean it was not big budget so. Even if it's only one room, because the whole film happens in one single room, or there is some shots in corridors, or but just a few. But um, it, it was more complicated than it looked like, because well, we have seen except Hollywood high-budget Hollywood films. You can see a UK film or an European film sometimes, a period film, and you know there is awful things, things that are not on the level of the core costumes or no the artistic direction that are not are not strong on the aesthetic level and there is no, no they don't make you believe so my idea is the, f the film is so intimate we are so closer to the king during the whole film that it should be really an organic approach everything should be perfect because you no know, in the movements inside the room between the actors the decor should be really a, a organic integration of all it couldn't be you know an a script uh, film no the the, the 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 magic of the film comes from this organic present time uh, no living, you know, we are talking about the past, but in present time. So to do that, you need the the decor is totally, uh, no, it's totally real, completely real, and with a with a deep and physical interaction with the actors. For me, it was the the most important. And 
Well, it's not so easy to get this point without a lot of budget. But um, it's also on the attitude of the actors also. Okay, the decor must be perfect, the objects, the props, what everything has to be perfect. But okay, if everything is perfect, then with the attitude of the the actors, you can underline a little bit this total organicity of the thing. You've said that you're a chaotic director. Yeah. What do you mean by that? And, and how exactly did you do that? On this film? Well, it means that my system is based in non communication, which is not a useful tool, I think, for filmmaking and filmmakers in general. But I don't know. It's so always... you're saying communication is not a useful tool? No, non communication is, uh, well, it's not a very useful tool. I mean, communication should be more useful, I imagine, for filmmaking. But here is always my, my obsession, my, uh, no, the, my goal to go against the cliche. So if Everybody, the crew, the actors, everybody knows what we are doing, in which di direction we are going, and that we are all together in that direction. It gets boring, and it's very f easy to go to fall down on the cliché, no? because everybody knows what will happen, everybody has in mind all the ideas, all the meanings, all the truth of the film, so there is nothing to discover. So my attitude is a little bit the attitude of an artist, as I, as I am too, of a, of a performance of the of the art world, you know, that everything is happening in present time. And there is something mystical, something, some belief, some mystical belief in that there was no nothing before, there won't be nothing after, and that that performance is unique. It's, it's, it cannot be reproduced again. It cannot be, it cannot happen again. There is a real feeling of a real mystery, a deep mystery on what's going on there, that it cannot be work in another way, just to live that moment. So, okay, there in the film we have the cameras, we have the recording no, devices, sound and image recording devices. So it's not exactly a pure performance, but the feeling or the, the attitude of, you know, of believing that every single moment is unique and they will never be repeated and there will not be on another chance to to pick up what is there and it will only be at there at that moment, at that single second. You know, this is a, a, a very important. And to get this, I, the only, well, the, the, the easiest way I found was to break, was to break communication with the crew, also with actors. I never made rehearsal with actors. I never discussed about the character before the shooting and even during the shooting. So there, it's to create this atmosphere of pure present. Pure present, fulfilled with presence of uh, actors there, you know, in that, in that space. And nothing else. Obviously, there is a uh, you know a work plan every day, and there is something concrete to do, and a little bit we communicate. But I prefer to to always during the exact moment of the shooting, not focusing in anything else and atmosphere. And for and it's not necessary for me to communicate a lot with the, with the crew. Yeah, they all know, they all know what to do, more or less. Well, they got confused usually, and this is. No, the beginning of the chaos. But okay, it's not a problem for me because I am quite self-confident in that. At the end, no, there will be some magic that you cannot achieve in from in another way. So it's a it's a balance. No, it's a tricky balance because maybe this uh, this magic can be so different one from one time to another, from one moment to another can be so heterogeneous that at the end you don't have a feature film. You have just a chaotic, you know, sketches or of several moments. But okay, it's my duty a little bit. To, to trust that at the end this will be magic, it will be you know, full of magic moments, and also that this will have a little bit of coherence. My idea was always the same. It's uh, I have two, for example, if you shoot during 20 days or 15 days, 20 days, and you shoot five or six hours per day, 
real shooting. I mean, I always used to do very long shots of three, of 45 minutes, one hour with three cameras, but on, on time. No, no, not because time with three cameras will be multiplied by three. But imagine that we shoot four hours per day of real time shooting. Then, okay, and you shoot during 20 days, for example. No? So you are not able to have, I don't know, four or five extraordinary minutes in these four hours per day. I think it's not so difficult to get really five magical minutes no? in four hours shooting every day. I mean... So you have 20 days, 20 percent is 100 with 100 minute movie. If you get just five magical moments, but really, but really pure and magical and exceptional and extraordinary minutes of these four hours per day or these three hours or four hours, if not, you are an idiot. If you are not capable of doing that, you shouldn't be a filmmaker. So I trust that these five minutes, no, on the average will always be there. So 20 days of shooting, five minutes per day, it's an extraordinary film of 100 minutes. Okay, a lot of self-confidence is required, but mm, no, no, not, nothing else. So well, self-confidence, self-confidence <laughs> is based in talent, so maybe it helps a lot. We can put it uh, this way also. So it's it's simply math. You shoot enough, yeah. you're going to get great stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why other people don't do it that lead this way. For me, it's so easy. So, but, so you said it takes the king of French cinema to play the king of yeah. France. What did you mean by that? Well, this is uh, an idea he, he loves to think because he thinks that he's the best actor and, well, he received afterwards, he was so happy of the, the, the Palme d'Or donor in Cannes uh, that uh, he said that he refused, the, the, he received before the Légion d'Honneur. No, he said, as a citizen, I received the highest no, uh, condecoration or honor you can have. And now, as an artist or as an actor in this case, I also receive the, the highest uh, honor that is to receive the Palme d'Honneur, Palme d'Honneur of Festival de Cannes. Then, okay, he was so happy and this confirmed me with the idea that he's really the king of the actors, you know, playing the role of the king of France. Well, it was a joke, but at the same time, what I can say that is really the most uh, serious and uncorruptible actor in France, that's for sure and a very nice guy, and uh, I mean, he never made one single film for money, always, never one single, zero, I mean one, it means zero, always, you know, choosing for only artistic, um, the, no, uh, following artistic goals and the, all decisions, there was never, never one concession to the, to the money or to commercial purpose or whatever. Nowadays, it's quite uncommon that and it was normal in the 60s but now it's quite uncommon so and he keep you know he, he was faithful to his own past he's, he's obsessed with that in fact he's he's paranoically obsessed with the idea of betraying his own past and making a film that has not the quality of his previous films or that you know has not the dignity you will put say there is some films that are better on the aesthetic side and others that are not you know not perfect but all have to have at least the same dignity, the same artistic dignity in the sense that the, the honesty and the, the commitment and, you know, is there. So, and he's obsessed with that. And also he's obsessed with one of these films can fail because maybe, uh, I don't know, also sometimes uh, we have all the dignity and all the, <laughs> no, the mess, the, the best, intentions in our minds and we do the, our best sometimes for 
strange reasons, films, you know, doesn't match. All the elements inside the film doesn't match, and it can be a, an artistic failure. So he's, a, he's, a, he's one of another obsession, that a film is not an artistic failure, because he thinks that he never uh, did one, so the, he never participated in a failure, in a total failure, so... Sir, nous feriez-vous l'immense plaisir de venir avec nous S'il vous plaît, Sir. Non, non, je préfère me coucher. Cela nous ferait tellement plaisir. Mais à ceux qui veulent me voir, je fais une grande salutation. Moi. Sir. Apportez-moi le chapeau. Très bien, Sir. He's very obsessed with that. He has a lot of pressure on his mind because he's in, well, he's in the maybe the last part of his career as an actor. So, and this pushed him a lot. This put him in an extreme tension. And this is a little bit part of the tension we see on the film. Really, this is an obsession for him. It's a paranoia almost. And do you add, add tension by having actors and non-actors no. work together? No, because I I know how to deal with that with, with these people. No, no problem. I only have to respect a little bit the, the professional actors because in general it's not so easy. Because in general, professional actors, obviously not in this case, because these are le well, Jean-Pierre is a legend and the other one very nice people. But uh, in general, professional actors are quite stupid people. No, because I don't know. It's very egocentric people. Very they live in a parallel world, and they are not very kind. We can say usually, and I don't know. They, they believe they are really important when probably they are not so. Okay, I recognize that actors are, you know, there is some photogenia in a wider sense that it's very important for the film, and I admit that. And obviously I know that, because if not, I will be actor myself. I will not pick up and pay people just to do a thing I can do my, uh, on my own, you know, being myself actor. So I recognize that there is some people that has certain power on the screen. I am not talking about professional abilities. I am talking about uh, photogenia in a wider spiritual sense. That it's true. There is people that, uh, you know, it's doing. it doesn't matter what they are doing and they are interesting. You will not stop looking at them. In real life, I mean, and there is other people, even in films, that uh, even if they are good actors, they are boring. No, it's, it's the truth. They, you can be a good actor, but boring. And there is other people that it's not as good as an actor, as a professional actor in the sense that, you know, dealing with a technique, with a grammar and showing a little bit, no, it's more sophisticated work. But at the same time, you will never stop looking at them, staring at them, because everything they do, they are fascinating. And this was, for example, this was a beautiful, no, uh, a quality that surrealists uh, found in some, in some silent actors, no, of, of Hollywood cinema, like mostly his, their favorite was always Harry Langdon, you know, always because obviously, obviously Buster Keaton, but they found, you know, Chaplin boring as an actor and as a filmmaker, no, for these reasons, because it was simply a professional, you know, the, the professional approach was too important and okay, he was very talented, whatever, but it has not the, the deep mystery of some presence that just with the, this photogenic and a white spiritual sense can, can achieve. You know, and for them, for example, Keaton, or most notably Harry Langdon, was the was the example of that. The, this unconsciousness or this, you know, this pure life, you know, pure life 
living in in front of the camera like a flower like a tree with this unconscious you know unconsciousness of his own behavior of his own he said Dali said Harry Landon is moving his his arm he he never know it he's not he, he doesn't know it he will never know but the arm is moving you know so, so he's totally unconscious like a flower you know, he's totally unconscious of his own body, totally unconscious of his own, of what he's projecting. But at the same time, it's fascinating. So the, the point is, is that one, no? that to deal with actors, but even with professional actors, I, I work with them in looking for this. I don't care about their professional, or their talent, as a, or their capacity of this, of, of building up a grammar, no? a grammar or, or his resources as actors. I will find that. It's not their problem. I am the filmmaker, I am responsible for that. But okay, there is something that it's irrational, that it's non-intangible, non-intangible. Hard to define. Hard to define that they have it or they don't have it. But if they have it, it's precious. Now, in this movie, you you use non-actors for the people that were coming to try to sell the king on the bridge. De plus, le Duc de York a trouvé des nouvelles pierres moins coûteuses qu'on fait venir du Nil, qui sont plus résistantes. Seul le transport coûterait un peu plus cher. Pour ça, nous avions besoin d'un peu plus d'argent. Je réfléchirai de cela. Merci. Merci. Je réfléchis. These were no professional actors, and they look like that they are a little bit nervous and scared of the king because they are trying to sell him a dubious thing in the very, in this very last moments. You know, a new construction of a port. So the king is really ill. And it looks like it has no sense to, to try to sell this, you know. Probably you smell that they are trying to, to pick up some money, some more money, you know, in this for, for a last new crazy idea or construction. But, and they are nervous because of the presence of the king. But in fact, it was not, during the shooting, it was not this way because they were no professional actors. I pick up them like this. And in fact, they were nervous of being in front of the camera, of being there shooting for the first time in their lives. And they didn't know how to do it and what to, you know, how to behave, blah, blah, blah. And they were, you feel that they are nervous. But okay, with the edit, with my way of, you know, developing this on the shooting, it, you know, it looks like they are nervous because of the king or the absurdity. Not the absurdity, but the, you know, the tendentious way they want to sell this 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 new construction on the port of La Roche. So I always mix that things, but you cannot recognize because there is only one single reading in the because nowadays with digital technology on the edit and on the shootings, but mostly on the edit, you can hide all these traces. This was very beautiful on Warhol films, where the person, the actor, and the character were mixed. And there were traces of the fight between these three inside the film, not to be Chelsea Girls or no. Uh, and you all the traces of this were openly shown because there was no way to hide that because there was no digital technology so you couldn't be subtle on the edit you couldn't be subtle on the on the shooting you couldn't make long takes everything was more i don't know more wild and more rough no and there were you couldn't achieve the subtlety that they can achieve with the same attitude, with the same goal, with the same purpose, playing with all these three elements, no? Person, actor, character. But then, okay, I can hide the, the roughness the, 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 of this fight, of the, the traces of this rough fight on the final version. And you have only one reading, uh, no? That is the, well, the character reading, the plot of the fictional film. But everything is there, and I really take profit of that in a way. And for this reason, my, my images, I think that 
they have a little bit more soul, real soul, no? And the, the, this idea of the, living the past in present, I think that it's achieved because of that. Yeah. So the person, the character, the actor, and that tension between yes, the three. Of course. No, that's, uh, yes, yes, and I always, I never, for the reason, for me, w w will be the sense of, I don't know, of talking about the character with the, with the actors. If I have, I, if I will use more the person or the actor than the character. It has no sense. So it's my, it's my thing. I mean, I, I will solve that problem. Don't, I don't need to talk with the actor. I will solve everything. And I, my, my system, my methodology has enough elasticity to adapt to any situation. And in fact, this is, I am for that. I am, I am born to, to do that. If an actor is good doing funny things, but the script says that he has to do sad things, I will move the whole film, the whole structure, the script, the crew, the working plan, whatever, to just to shoot him doing you know, funny things, because he's good at doing funny things. I will not change. I don't trust him, you know, changing, or I don't trust his professional uh, no, um, tools uh, as an actor uh, to, 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 to change. And No, if he's better doing and more seducing and more fascinating doing funny things than sad things, everything will move to that direction, even if it's the opposite of the what the script says or of the, and it's not coherent with the, 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 the other characters, whatever. I will solve this problem afterwards or I will try to solve it in the edit. But what I will have, it will be the best image of that actor, that's for sure. The best shape, the best spiritual shape of, of that actor because he's doing what he's really good at. And this, And I love to discover this during the shooting, not before. This is another, because it's more spontaneous and it's more delicate and it's more, I don't know. I have to react myself as a filmmaker, as a director to that. And I have to do it also in present time as the essence of, of, of the film, of the shooting is to, 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 to convey this past, but in present time, me too. Also, I am there in present time and only allowing my reactions in present time. Right. And you're doing it without looking through a monitor or without looking no. through the camera. Yeah, I never use, never use the camera. I never use, a, I never use the camera. I use the camera for shooting, but yeah, not yeah. The, the screen on the camera. Only seen the camera operators. Yeah, why not? Because it's losing time. And because you will never check. Because in the edit, you, you, for example, you have hesitation of one image. You love it one week, next week the same scene or the same image, you hate it, next, next week you, you love it again. So, well, critical judgment of images, it's complex. And when you start, you know, putting the images together, it's even more complex because they, you know, they interfere each one each to, to each other. So the meanings are more complex. So it's absurd to make critical judgment of your own images during the during the shooting because of you what you see in the monitor or in the camera of the cam of the in the small camera of the of the camera so i don't care about that i i don't make i don't do critical judgment of my own images it's also warhol style during the the shooting and only at the end i apply right so you've mentioned andy warhol twice y yeah, what warhol. what is what is the essential andy warhol film and why do you love him so much because of that, because it's uh, you know he breaks of the he introduces the idea of 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 performance of uh, really that uh, it's a live performance films they are shooting but what is important is this is the unique moment of something that it will never be reproduced again and if this with this I don't know with this wild and with this potential you know 
more than that, it's not only that, that it's in a performance, but can be combined with other images and create a fiction, but in essential, with every image having this this potential and this strong, I don't know, this, this intensity, then you have the perfect film. The problem is to create coherence with that at the end, that everything has too much. And usually these kind of moments appear, but appear unexpectedly appear in a very in, not in the maybe in the direction you 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 will love and so uh, you know it's it's m magic you know it's you cannot control that in a professional way and it, we have seen it in even in conventional films when two actors have the feeling have the feeling when they don't have it they don't have it and who cares how professional they are and this you 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 i don't know it's on the atmosphere and it's quite objective it's almost, it's difficult to describe. Yeah, difficult to describe, and it happens. And it's, uh, well, it's uh, our goal, no, as a filmmakers. The problem is that I sacrifice everything to that. And usually, normal feature films or normal professional filmmakers or academic filmmakers, what is worse, do not sacrifice, they are scared of sacrifice, sacrifice making the sacrifice, or sacrificing things, professional approach to that. Because this it means that you have to cut, you have to renounce to professional things. Okay. Maybe you cannot prepare a shot as in a perfect way. Maybe the light cannot be prepared as, you know, as perfect as it it, it should be. No, in a professional way, because the actor will be will will wait for the light. But magic appears when it appears, so light has to be ready. So the the magic will not wait for the for the cinematographer preparing the light will not wait for the i don't know for the, the whatever you know magic in actors it's, it's in their mind and it's very subtle and it's uh, you know it appears when it appears so it's not controllable but as i know that i sacrifice everything to that so a script and a storyboard just hems you in of course because you are already you already and you know everything you know all the meanings all the Thing that you will be in the image, it's worrying. No, I don't. Obviously, I read the script and I love it to do it because it's the only way to get the funding and all oh, the film. There is no other way, and the, more or less the working plan of every day follows more or less the script. There is no problem about that. I don't have, uh, I don't have anything against the script except what the, when the script makes the film worse. You know, when when the, the script cuts the possibilities of the potential of the film, of the of the magic of actors, of the magic of the atmosphere, when the script becomes so counterproductive, uh, no, for me the script it, 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 it start to be useless, but not before. I mean, there is no problem if you have better ideas, if you have good ideas for a film, if the conceptual approach, if the I, mean, the, I don't know the details that you put on the script are amazing. Well, it's better. <laughs> it's a good point of departure, but. This has to be cut at the moment that this can kill the magic. I sacrifice everything to that magic. So that this or cinematography or uh, I don't know, whatever. But um, personal problems of the people, um, quality of the sound recording, everything has to be sacrificed. Not, at, uh, not, at, not totally. Not, uh, no, it's not an absolute extreme absolute because if not, you will not have a film. You will, you, are, you will be simply living your life, not recording it. So obey, there is a constraint of recording life. But okay, we all understand what I, what I mean. So the shooting script and what's finally on film, in this case, and the death of Louis XIV, yeah. uh, are different. I don't know, maybe are different, but at the end, I don't know why, and I don't know how, it's more or less coherent of 
what we had at the beginning in the script. Mm. It's not in the same way. It's not exactly, no, the transformation has not been direct. But in an indirect way, it's quite faithful to the to the head at the beginning. You know, it always happened. I don't know why. Why? Because we are simply following the main idea and the main concept of the field that is there from the very beginning. But well, it's not so far from from what what the what the what the script was describing. So, and who cares? Nobody read the script before. You have to watch the film. So who cares about that? It's only my problem. I mean, no, no, no. You will see a film. You don't know if it, this film was right in this way or not. Who cares? It's only the script writer. <laughs> that I think they are, sometimes they are uh, another, you know, they are like actors. They consider themselves. But, you know. What do they consider themselves? They consider them, uh, themselves too artists? Important, too important. Ah. They consider themselves too important. And uh, hopefully we had the Nouvelle back and, uh, you know, all the revolution of the 60s to start to consider that the style in cinema was created by the director. You know, this mm -hmm. is the main point. And mm -hmm. because, I don't know, he controls and... But, okay, I, I don't know. I respect everybody, and I try to get the best possibilities of everybody and every... Well, everybody. In this case, I am the, my own scriptwriter. But um, I don't know. I am not... It sounds a little bit aggressive, or it sounds a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, negative. It's because my system is based on nega uh, negative, no? and going against, always. No? Going against when I try to, when I shoot, I go against the script. When I write the script, I go against my main idea. No, at the beginning, the conceptual idea. When I do the edit, I go against the shooting. When I do the post production, I go against the edit. No, so for me, I don't know. It's like a purification. It's trying to purify the material you you have, and the only way is to applying some. I don't know, some fight, some, some, but real fight on the negative sense, some, some destruction. What is the most pivotal scene in this movie? It's very difficult to say. I don't know, really. It's because the film is like happens in my, my, in all my films. It's full of details. It's not in a scene that it's, well, sometimes you have a, in the scenes. I don't know. Maybe the death I like. Hmm. So why do you like uh, the death scene? that he's not dying <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. He's, he's never dying and he's not moving and he's barely and they pretend to you know to prepare you know extremely <laughs> well cooked food and for him and he's barely not you know not drinking water and nothing so then it, i think it's funny When I saw that yeah. last night, I'm like, there's no way he's going to eat that yeah, food. Yeah. He can't even drink anything down. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Why are you doing that? But, I don't know, it's got the, you know, it's, this is, a, again, this is a, a, a good parallelism with actors or with professionalism in cinema. They are good professionals. They are simply not connected with reality. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and then, okay, the banality of death and the banality of death itself, you know, impose his, his, his law. To, it's low to the to the rhetoric uh, of the core that has been there for ages, but you know it's totally important to solve problems when the simple banality of death you know arrives. You have to be a little bit respectful with the subject that in this case is Louis fourteen. It's too connotated. It's too difficult to go against the the, the classical image we all have uh, of Louis fourteen. In my previous film was about Casanova, and everything works with Casanova. You can make Casanova doing whatever, and it will work. 
but not Louis XIV, you know. Mm. It's, it has to be a little bit respectful. Um, not because of him, not because, of, but because, I don't know, because our psychology, our perception of the past. No, I don't know. Uh, but I try, and in fact we shoot some scenes that were more crazy, blah, 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 but it doesn't work. So I think that here, what you see in the film is the limit. It's the limit of wild and crazy ideas to, to be applied to, to a subject as, I would not say canonic, because all subjects are canonic, but as well-known and yeah. well... So what was the crazy stuff that didn't didn't make it into the film? Things, ordering things to the... Ordering crazy things to the to his assistants, uh, you know, complaining about absurd things, more absurd things. But it, it looked like a clone, so it was risky, you know. Mm. It's always like this in my films, because when you deal with known subjects, known characters, you know, you have to, to be on the edge of being respectful, but also being a little bit iconoclast. If you are too respectful, you will be an academic filmmaker. If you are iconoclast, you can fall in the, you know, absurd. You can be grotesque, simply. Yeah. You don't use much music in this film except at the very beginning yeah. and then about three quarters of the way through yeah. there is... There is some sounds, musical sounds in the middle, but just very, very low. Ah. But very original, but okay. Yeah, well, I wanted to keep it silent <laughs> because intimacy grows up with the silence. And, and to mark silence, to make silence present, you know, and to feel the presence of silence, of silence I, <clears throat> I need to put some... Small sounds, but not music, you know, the sounds of the, the props, the sounds, but in a very subtle way, the sounds that come from the outside, come through the windows, so, but very subtle, but with the idea of making a silent film and not underlining, but showing this loneliness you know, of the king alone at night, at, you know, during a lot of hours. When you are ill, you are alone, because time is going slow, you no, know? it's and it's hard, and it's painful, and... You know, when you have a lot of time to think and a lot of time to complain, but inside, <laughs> and it's a very, you know, it's very solitary and very sad moment for ill people, yeah. and evil people that knows that will die. This is more, even more. The music of Mozart while the king is looking yeah. at the camera, almost. Oh, why that music, and why have him do that? Because Jean Pierre was a. As all good things that sometimes happens in films, because of chance. Jean Pierre asked what he wanted to listen to music. He wanted Lully, then Monteverdi, but for me it was a cliche this music. So I proposed Mozart. And uh, well, I proposed. I said, no, we cannot find, we don't have internet here, we cannot find uh, Monteverdi, and what was not true. And I said, why not Mozart? And he said, oh, okay, let's go with Mozart. He did these interesting, I don't know, these interesting things he's doing in that little scene, looking at the camera and what he's thinking, you know, this mystery, you know, that is the mystery of cinema, that is a camera shooting the thinking of somebody, you know, it's a, the, the deepest mystery of cinema. Mm -hmm. 
happen, we, we are really there, you know, inside his mind at that moment. So for me it was very moving, so I decided on the edit to keep that music that was played on live on the shooting, and I keep it. one of the f important moments of the film first of all because I because it's beautiful first of all but secondly because you realize that at that moment he realized himself maybe that there is it's a point of no return that he will die for sure and <laughs> very soon because I was in a conversation with all people of my country or of my small village in the countryside and one said to another ah oh, the other they had friends apparently said one of the friends they had to say ah oh, this guy is going to die and the other one said well we we will all die and the other answer yeah but some some of us sooner and some of others later so this is what counts and sooner or later and at that moment he realized, I think, that there is the point of no return and that it will go fast. It's very powerful because, yeah. like, we see him and... It's and violent. It's violent. I like because it's violent. The way he looks, you know, it's it's almost a fight against us as a witness of this, you know, as a witness of this importance, you know, of his importance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost like at that moment he realizes, even though he's king, he's yeah. going to die. Yeah, yeah, this is the point. He doesn't want to have witness of that. And we are the witness, so he's a little bit violent against us. I haven't asked you about the wigs. There are uh, these are bigger wigs than I've ever seen yeah. in a. In and a, I have to admit that this is the this is one just to finish. This is a beautiful point because we are we are trying obviously to reproduce the wigs exactly the wigs we have seen in paintings, no? Just to know to be faithful of, of the wigs that Louis XIV was using, and then but suddenly my uh, hairdresser changed a little bit the shape. Of the, the the top of the wig, change it a little bit, no? Compare it with what, yeah, with what we see, a little bit more, you know, with the point. Okay, right, the detail. But it changed a little bit the shape. But it improved it. So I said, but he said, well, it's not so closer to what we see in the painting. It's a little bit different from the top. But I said, but it's better. It's more beautiful. It's more fascinating. And you know, it when you you, you deal with period films, it's full of these discussions. Because it's not closer to truth historically, but it's more beautiful, no. So I decided to go for the, you know, the 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 shape, the the new idea, no, of the hairdresser that it changed the shape, but it was more I don't know on the visuals was more fascinating, and because we had this discussion a lot also with Jean Pierre, and Jean Pierre said a beautiful sentence because no, or the way you say this or this costume or whatever, if it's if it's no, we're having hesitation if it was proper. No, as uh, historically uh, closer to, to what historical information we have. And he said, if it's beautiful, it's true. It'll feel more true to the viewer. Yeah, it will feel more true on the visuals. It will feel more true on the aesthetics. It will feel more true inside. Yeah. So this is the most uh, uh, important thing that, you know, aesthetics and art gives you some truth. Apart from the beauty... It gives you some truth, and we can apply that to everything because usually it's that. It's, it's Maybe you cannot realize that at the moment. You only see the beauty. But art is always sense for later. No, it's something that maybe we cannot understand at that moment, the, the, the sense and the truth of that, 
but it sends always sense for later, for the for the future, that people will understand, you know, that this was more important than the, the simple historical facts. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This was more important than the simple historical facts. Mm-hmm. Albert Serra, director of the death of Louis XIV. You know, the night before I interviewed him, Sarah appeared at the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis, and he was even funnier there. Hard to believe, isn't it? The Drunk Projectionist is a labor of love. I enjoy making it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. If you do, tell your friends. Tell them in person. Tell them on Facebook. Tell them, you know, wherever you happen to see them. And thanks for listening. Join us next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>